Hi, Neil Brennan here. I have a Netflix special called Blocks, where I talk about things that make me feel like something's wrong with me and alone in the world. Jimmy Carr had the idea, wanting to do a podcast where your friends come on, they talk about their blocks, and we heal the world with it. My guest today is a guy I've known since 1992. I was a doorman of the comedy club. You were a very young person, but when I'm 18, you're 27, 28, 29. 92? 92, 29, yeah. something like that. So you're 29, 29, I'm 19. Wild. And you, Todd Berry, Louie, yeah. are like seniors in high school to me. You know, you always look so serious and you're kind of droopy <laughs> and you had this long hair. Well, not even, uh -huh. You didn't talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, when no one knew what you wanted or what you wanted to do. We all knew your brother. Yeah. It, there was a lot well, of work. No, what's funny is you said something to me back then that I think of as like a withering <laughs> indictment. And I'm going to tell you right now. You go, hey, little Brennan, you famous yet? <laughs> so I knew. Which as a doorman, I, you must have sent something. I knew it was a matter of time. Yeah, you you knew I had the I had the shining. Oh, yeah, that must and, have been it. And, uh, <laughs> and I wasn't doing anything about it. But you, well, here's what I'll say about Mark Maron. You're a fucking very astute person in general. You're a very good interviewer on the podcast. You have a really good sense of art which is broad and pretentious mm -hmm. but like you can do it and you can talk about it and you've gotten more mainstream as you've gotten older yeah which as a performer and a writer thank god which i find funny and weirdly admirable because it must have been a decision where you made it despite yourself or like you realize like what am i doing i like brian regan i like well, I always liked those guys. I never thought that I could do what they do. I, I don't think I ever could. I I think I can do more of a version of it now, but I ultimately think what happened was whatever I was working off of early on was not you know, particularly funny to everybody. I think I was trying to make an impact of some kind. You know, I was angry because I was not comfortable with myself. And, you know, that's how I existed on stage. So Well, I that's what, it, to me, I, I don't know what your specific blocks are, but to me, it's watching a guy, an angry, frustrated person mm. in your core. Your core, you came out of the box probably angry and frustrated, or you were just a baby and you were put in bad situations and made you angry and frustrated. And then it, success and acceptance was, felt like a tonic. It felt like it was a bit like, oh, the embarrassing secret about success is it makes you feel good. Right. Well, I, you know, not having financial worry yeah. Yeah, is, is, is the best. I'm still sort of nervous about it. I don't, I don't think like a wealthy person. You must have made a shitload of money on that podcast and now yeah, on the road. Good, you know, and I, you know, and I, you never mention it. You not, you don't dress different. Yeah. You don't, maybe a little different. I know you bought the Keith Richards hat. For yeah, that was a little crazy, you know, and Dean, you know, kind of somehow got me to buy an expensive watch. Yep. I just don't think to do it, which is one of the problems, that, you know, one of the blocks, I guess. But but I think it was more than any sort of uh, decision or self-acceptance. I just think that because of the podcast, you know, I was able to talk in a manner that didn't require any context in the sense of didn't have to be funny. It didn't have to be anything. It could just be me expressing myself in the moment because all the monologues are done in the moment, really. And I think that the evolution of, of those and then talking to other people about their problems 
sort of made me more of a whole person. I don't know that it was fame or success that really made it different. It was the the constant, you know, conversation going on that didn't have to be funny. It could be thoughtful, it could be poetic, it could be whatever. I do this weekly writing that I just today, you know, realized I could put a book together. I, I've been doing a weekly sort of dispatch to my listeners, you know, since for for over a decade. There's hundreds yeah. of them. And I was reading one, and there's one guy, you know, Mike Kaplan, the, the comic? Yeah. Like, he gets them, and, like, almost every week he comments on them. And he's like, this is great. This is a nice piece of poetry. This it's your monologue in the beginning. No, no, it's just a newsletter. I oh, out. you have a newsletter. Oh, got right. it. Right. So, that. and I, it's just this freeform writing I do every Sunday. And I send it out. I don't know who reads it, but I know Mike reads it. He's always very complimentary of what I put in there because it's just, it's really just uh, what's up with my head and what's right. going on in the day. But I think to speak to what you were saying, I, I don't know that it was, it's a kind of success, but I think, but it was I don't, a, I mean, I don't mean monetary right. necessarily. I mean, it felt I like a mass ex, uh, acceptance. Yeah, I got somewhere. Yeah. I landed because it wasn't looking good before the podcast. It's so goddamn funny. Because I remember you talking about starting a podcast in the store of the, of the, uh, in before, the kitchen. Before anybody. The store kitchen. Yeah. You were like, yeah. I just, uh, yeah, we just come on. <laughs> Jeff came on. And like the first <laughs> that was episode. way at the beginning. No, like literally, <laughs> I remember when you started talking about it. like the first week. It. Yeah. My show's really one of the architects of modern podcasting. One of? So, I mean, I don't... It's like inventing film noir. Right. So, the, In, I mean, that, like, It's its own... It You started... You were just like, I don't know, I'll do this. Yeah. I don't even know if you could compare it to anything. Other than, like, there were, I guess, radio interviews. Sure. Like, Terry Gross, maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe. But, like, mm. that's overly... That yeah, doesn't give it enough credit. It kind of evolved into something different. But I think knowing that, but even, see, if there's anything I get weird about it, it's like everyone's got a podcast. It's a big goddamn joke now. Yeah. I don't feel disrespected. I don't think I don't get credit. And I do, you know what I mean? I think I do get credit. And I don't know why it happened that way. It was just, we were ahead of the curve and there was desperation and it was cosmic timing. But there's something about being legendary in something. Yeah. That means something to me it can make you feel closer to whole. Yeah, right. But You're in like, a way oh, that this wasn't, my suspicions about myself yeah. were right. All <laughs> the things that you were kind of doing. Yeah. I don't like, know if I had them. I always, I always jealous of people You didn't that. move out here for fucking nothing, dude. I moved out here because the woman I was with didn't want to be in New York anymore after 9-11. And I had- I'm talking about in, when you moved out here in 87. Oh yeah, I did, but like literally had no idea how to be a human. <laughs> like, how's I, it going? What have you, what it's have better. you picked up? It's yeah. better, you know. Like, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know anything. I left uh, college without any sense of how one functions in the world. I swear to God, when I bought my first house, I didn't know you you, you didn't have to buy them in cash, and and like I had to learn all these things. But yeah, I knew I wanted to be a comic. I would argue, knowing nothing. You wanted to be a certain kind of artist. That's right. And it, it, it had nothing to do with, like, I didn't understand show business. I had no foresight about anything. Uh, I remember I was approached by a manager when I was a doorman at the comedy store. And I'm like, I don't even know what they do. And I blew off the, the meeting. Uh, I, I felt that that, you know, out of all the things I did in my life, whether it was, you know, writing plays or directing or, or directing plays or doing photography or writing poetry, all this stuff that I tried as a liberal arts sort of aspiring intellectual person, you know, I decided that stand up was the way I could own myself and my output. You know, at, you know, I'm talking emotionally, creatively. 
and it also services me in the way that I'm realizing now, which is it's all very immediate. Yeah, I'm not the kind, which is one of the blocks. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to like, I might try it this year, but the idea of working on, you know, writing and directing and producing a movie, you know, to put four, three, four years of your life into something that no one will fucking see. Yeah. There's an immediacy to doing the podcast, to talking to people, to doing stand up. that is, it, 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 it appeals to me. It's, 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 it happens in real time. It, but when I look at it, after all is said and done, when I, when I know that's how I work, it's hard to feel like uh, accomplished in a way until you do like a special and then you're like i had to refine that stuff because that's another one the, uh, a block too is that like do i do it right is my method sound i would argue that you outlasted it wasn't going well <laughs> yeah. as showbiz was was composed in 2000 no. from 1990 to 2008 it was going okay yeah, well, I got and, but you weren't you weren't changing, you weren't chasing anything, and you were just like, I can't, I gotta do this, man. Right. I was and in, then, I was full of spite. Yeah. I, I was chasing something and, and it was usually like it was all rooted in like, why does that guy get that? Yeah. But yeah, I didn't know how to do it any differently. And that that's was what I'm saying. You yeah. didn't know how to do it any differently. And then this thing happened. A technology came yeah. that was perfect for what your thing is. But then that brought a different bunch of people and they didn't like, I remember when I was doing stand up and doing the podcast at the beginning, like, you know, people thought that like, well, we should go see him because, you know, we want to be supportive. I'm like this, but this is what I do. I was a good stand up. Yeah. But I wasn't, you know, like there's a, a moment that happens when you're a stand up where you're genuinely not afraid. Yeah. You know, you pretend to be not afraid for years. Yeah. But there's a moment where you're like, I, I there's no, there's no fear as I yeah. walk out onto this stage, uh, you know, for my audience, none. And that was miraculous. But that, I mean, that only happened like a decade ago, you know, 25 years in or whatever. Yeah. And I think that the fear and the assumptions you make because of the fear in doing standup, it, it, it affected my, what affects everything, you know? And I was, the difference is like, I didn't write jokes. I knew that that was how people did it. I always envied that you write jokes. You know, Attell writes jokes. I was surrounded by these joke people, Todd Berry. And I was a long form person that was scrambling that I, to create something, I had to speak it out loud. But even like, I hear you talk about, I'm a long form person. Are you talking about on your podcast? It's like, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. I mean that like all the jokes evolve out of, out of a conversation that I initiate with an audience. I, yes, but it's like, but then the jokes happen. Yeah, but they, it's they like it's, it's harder. It's harder. <laughs> it's harder. <laughs> it's harder, and it's like not for most people, right? So that's so that's you were a, just fucked for you were fucked for eighteen years. Yeah, because like I tried to write jokes and I didn't understand how to write jokes, and like I was I'm not a turn of phrase. You didn't guy. like it when no, you wrote them. No, and and when they come up naturally, I I tend to to bail on them because like. They're so specifically like a ding a ding a do, and then like they work, and you're like, all right, well, I guess the, that's not great. You know, like I've written them. You can see sets of me doing jokes, but they all happen the same way. It's not me setting out to write jokes. Like I used to when I had different opportunities to do talk shows and stuff, and I had writers who were writing jokes, even monologue jokes. Uh, you know, I had a guy. We had a a bit on the, uh, was it Short Attention Span Theater? I think it was might have been the pilot for a, a talk show that I did. Well, I actually interviewed Chappelle 
and Steven Weber of all people, it was for, it was going to be for a pilot for Comedy Central. It became the, whatever, they, they filled it with The Daily Show, but I did a pilot of a talk show. We, we devised a machine to write monologue jokes where you have a setup and then you'd spin a wheel for the punchline. You know, there is a way yeah. that it, there's yeah. a structure to it, but I never got it. And, and I never had faith in it. All I had faith in was my ability to react emotionally in a moment and be engaged with something I'm thinking about and then put myself in a position where I had to make it funny. That was the deal. So, you know, you're on stage, you, you got to make it funny. Did it work most of the time? No. But could I get frothed up sometimes and get aggravated like at Luna Lounge and just fester and become this weird caricature of myself who is sweaty and yelling all the time? Yeah, but that was part of the process. But But now, like right now, after this last special, I'm actually doing jokes, kind of. I'm focusing on jokes, but I guess I always do. You're still using the same wheel. Yeah. You just I think you're not using the wheel. No, I'm not. They're joke structures. Yeah, but they happen because of experience. They don't happen. There's nothing on paper, Neil. There's nothing <laughs> I, on paper. <laughs> Mark, I've seen that I'm not, you think I'm, it's not a criticism. What I know, I'm, I'm saying not taking is there's, it as a yeah, there's comedy, sure. like, you're saying that I have it, whether I know it or not. You have, have it, whether you know it or not. Sure. It's like, a, it's like. I'm not defensive. Right. No, it's like you do an act out whether you. Sure. You just go, oh, I just came to it. Yes. I came I to it also it. three hours before I went on stage. Right. Right. Exactly. It's just a different process. Well, that, but see, that's what I get off on. It's like, because like what I realized I love is like not knowing where it comes from. Because like if I've got a pretty funny premise and I'm on stage. And I'm, you know, and the premise is funny enough. All of a sudden, things get delivered out of nowhere. Yeah, a punchline happens. I'm like, thank you. Like, I know it comes from me, but it didn't right. come from me three hours ago. It was delivered on stage, right? Like no, a miracle. What's funny? I know, <laughs> but I have it in my living room. Oh, good. Oh, that's <laughs> I, honestly, it's yeah, the yeah. same inspiration, so. inspiration. Whether I, I got it, I it because the immediate pressure of these. Faces and souls yeah, but that, that need but see, that's the tightrope walk. See, I would argue. <laughs> no, you've assailed that, me you know. for being too controlled or controlling. Uh, and it's like, I can't go up on stage and see what happens. I'd rather do it. I guess it's less risk, but I'm still going to do the joke and sure. have it bomb. Right. No, and I, it's I even that. more embarrassing because I planned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be harder on yourself about it. Here's another withering thing that we that you said to me that you noticed that I couldn't believe you noticed. One night on stage, you go, hey, I see you grabbing your love handles. I didn't even know I was doing it. Yeah, well, that was helpful. That told me a lot about you. That that like sort of like broke down a great wall between us. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm interested in your, because I don't, like you are mm -hmm. openly, you have a eating disorder yeah. sort of. That I do. You, that you, that's ongoing. Yeah. Have you gone to 12 step program? I, or? I have tried that, but it's, you know, I'm not, I, you can't look like me and go to an eating disorder recovery thing. Like it's, it's just, just like, like, it's like smoking weed and going to NA or something. No, it's just like, you know, most of the people in there have overeating issues yeah. and you know, I have, or, but I am mildly anorexic. Meaning you will undereat. No, meaning that I have like bizarro, food issues around gaining weight. You're against it. Totally. You have a scale? I do, but like, I'm okay with this stuff now. Like I have been okay. I had to do a lot of work on it, but it is like, if I get above a certain level of discomfort physically, like I really become totally diminished. And like, I, I feel 
like zero self-worth, zero confidence. If you're um, over 185-ish, 86-ish, you know, like I think, I mean, I got, I've gotten heavy, but like I can't handle it. And I've, and I've spent a lot of time as I get older just being like, dude, just enjoy yourself. You know, what, what do you care if you're, you're chubby or whatever? And, I'm, and, I, and, I, and I try to sit in that for a minute and I just can't do it. And now I'm vegan, like, you know, for the last few months, which I don't know if it's affecting my weight, but I feel better about what I'm eating. But that that food stuff is so deep and it's so uh, dug into me. From your mom, right? Yeah, yeah. She, she had an eating disorder? She still, you know, she just, that was her life was, was you know, maintaining a weight of like 119 or 116. So I was brought up, you know, as a chunky kid, as they say, you know, husky pants and by this mother who was terrified. Like I used to do a joke, that joke about, uh, like, I, I think that for the first nine years of my life, my mother just saw me as her fat. And that, <laughs> that if she just stopped eating, maybe I... I hope you didn't write it ahead of time. I hope you just I, thought I, of it on stage. I think I must have. I hope have. to God. Of course they did. But you didn't just... I, you maybe didn't actually I, that's, it, that's structured like a joke, but it's not a laugher. You know, like, it's, it's just a sad piece of information in a way. It gets a, a jarring laugh. It doess No, it's a laugh. Sense. That's funny. I mean, that could get a laugh. Yeah, but like it's still, it plagues me still. You know, it, like I think about food constantly and about what to eat, how to eat, you know, what I shouldn't eat, how much shame I have. It's, it's, it's deeper than drugs and it affects Oh, that's my, interesting. Yeah. Well, I guess it's because you have, it's, you can't avoid it. It's the same kind of thing. You know, I think it all sprouts from that well that, you know, my mother felt so like insecure and weird that he, she made her entire life about, you know, managing her weight, you know, and she got down to, in, to below a hundred at different times. She was definitely clinically, you know, fucked up with it when I was growing up. And, you know, it was, uh, it, it affected everything. The two of them, the, 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 you know, the selfishness involved in both my parents, but that eating disorder really, really got me. Like, I remember I went away to college my freshman year and I, I got as skinny as I ever got. I was that, yeah, down in the one sixties and I looked terrible, but I was, I just wanted my mom to be proud. <laughs> was she? Nah, not really. She said I looked weird. There was no winning. You know, right. You know what I mean? It was always there. there was, it was always a, a little stick. Yeah. My mom, but I think that's where I got the sense of humor too. It was always a little stick. I would think you think of yourself as a combination of your parents. Yeah. Like uh, this one. For sure. Like just a, a Don't you? Yes. Don't we, but don't I people? still try to think like, well, not that. Well, no, I think that you can have a little control over that. I can't, I do think that you can make choices in your life, you know, and also there's something, you know, proactive about isolating the bad things that you got from them and trying to sort of cognitively deal with those and, and embrace the things, you know, find the things that you got from them that are good. I think that's a great, you know, recovery thing. Uh, not necessarily recovery in the terms of 12 steps or anything, but in terms of psychological recovery to accept the parts of your parents that, you know, kind of made you who you are in a good way, you know, and then deal with the other ones in a different way. Like, you know, I can make different choices than to honor that monster. Yeah. Right. But it's also, it's kind of enjoyable to indulge it every once in a while. Yeah, you like, just gotta keep it on a leash. Right. Watching you, it's like, oh, Mark's indulging himself tonight. Like it's like oh Mark's being like petty food, Mark food yeah like cigars nastiness <laughs> pervy looks yeah. yeah your bachelor party is like we're just gonna be nasty yeah we're just gonna say nasty cutting shit about people 
We don't I, need I, strippers. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm not a big stripper guy. I never have been. We'll just bring or up. Laundry. I'm going to bring up a pile of photos, and we're just going to shit, shit on, on people. people. Yeah. <laughs> I never been like a big stripper guy, a big lingerie guy. I didn't even understand lingerie. I was thinking I about the other don't. day. Well, no. I mean, either you're into it or you're not. It's not for the woman. You know, I remember buying yeah. a wife, you know, lingerie, and and I, I was like, enjoy that, and I didn't realize that it was for you. Yeah. You know, it's oh, no, I don't I don't need that. You know, it's supposed to be sexy. It's gift wrapping. Which yeah, gift wrapping is yeah, stupid. Don't, I don't need gift wrapping. Yeah. I have been a little bit old Markish. Well, recently. not even again. I I don't if controlled. It's funny. Yeah. I mean, your act is that. Sometimes. Your act is that plus the older you get more empathetic and more yeah more yeah it's, uh, uh just simpler like the premises are simplified yeah i don't I'm, I'm not trying to i i don't swag too many people you know if i do it's got to be uh, there's got to be a pretty a bigger reason than it being just personal this show is sponsored by better help look i get why they sponsor the show because all we talk about is improving mental health you know about it you know i've been to therapy 20 years talk therapy hugely helpful it will just give you someone to bounce your life off of and they'll show you how to interrogate yourself of like what do i mean what do i feel what do i it's it's better than a friend that's all i can tell you if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash N-E-A-L today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot C-O-M slash N-E-A-L. BetterHelp.com slash Neil. I'm not going to say it again. BetterHelp.com slash Neil. I said it again. Hi. You know how people, like, if you're uh, dating them, will want to do stuff? I personally don't like doing stuff. You know that. Other people do. I do occasionally like to go to an event, and you got to get tickets for it, and it's stressful because you don't know where to go you don't know what's legit game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater near you i'm thinking about getting laker playoff tickets ah. game time has flash deals and last minute tickets easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area uh, they have images of seat views, which I actually like when I'm doing shows at a venue. I'm like, what is this? What am I going to look like on stage? Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use Blocks B L O C K S for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code B L O C K S for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. When, all right, so you did yeah. what? You coke was your drug? Yeah, I like the coke and the drinking and the pot. And, yeah. How did it make you feel? Did it make you feel like the way, the sort of stereotypical ways? I don't know, man. I just knew that, like, you know, like if I really think about, like, when I was living on the Lower East Side, you know, this during the like the Luna Lounge days. This know, is the early nineties, early mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, because Luna was like on a Monday or something. Mm -hmm. you know? But I just like I remember like you know, going to the Coke dealers and just getting a gram 
you know, when it was still light out. How I was much like is the that? Early, it was like a hundred bucks. It was right, like but the, how much? How much? It's a gram of coke. How I don't know. I've like, never. Uh, I've only seen it's not, it. It doesn't times. seem like a lot. It looks. It's maybe like sort like of like in the little rubber like a band. Tablespoon. Okay. No, it's like a like a like a like a what do you call it? A, a heavy tablespoon. -ish, okay. You know. Yeah. Not a ton. That might even be more than it. You know. Yeah. I wish they did it a tablespoon. They should. And a teaspoon. You can. Yeah. It'd be easier. Yeah. Maybe it's sort of like, you know, it's like four or it's maybe like two or three sugar packets. Okay. You know, but I just remember getting it and then going to the bar at the Avenue B and 7th and just getting a pint of bass after doing a few rails at his house and just being like, this is the best. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even like, where are we going? There was just possibility. There was like my brain. It had a sort of a riddling effect. I was jacked, but I was like, you know, like everything's okay. You know? Yeah. But then it just gets bad. You can't hold on to that. And, you know, and you don't really know how you're acting. You don't really know, you, you know, how you're coming you off. You probably don't care either, right? I think I, I, I kind of don't care, care how you're acting. I just thought I was like exciting. And, and it was like, it gave me like to what, just reacting to what you said earlier. Like, I don't know that I am fundamentally angry. I don't think that's the deepest layer of me. I think I'm oversensitive and, you know, weirdly terrified of of failure in all ways including socially uh and i think the anger thing happened after my first heartbreak and you know and i just kind of learned how to wear that but i think ultimately i'm a hypersensitive person that has a, i'm terrified of uh of being embarrassed and 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 but it happens a lot i think that was another thing i got from my mother she was embarrassing my mother the way she'd order at restaurants, the way she'd, you know, sexualize everything. So, so I don't, I, I think the anger came from, from, it was after, but, but I think the Coke gave me what I felt was some sort of genuine confidence. And I, and I think that what was annoying about me, even with you and those comments was that was some sort of insecure swagger. Well, yeah. that's what I always, the thing I noticed about you is like, dude, you're fucking really astute. Yeah. Just stop turning it on people that like you. <laughs> yeah. Just hey, man, turn preemptive, it on. man. I'm just no, just I know, but it's like what I don't. I'm fucking I, hands up. I, I like know, I, I know, like I you. I know. Well, that was I guess uh, in in when you have uh, bad boundaries, you know the way you establish them is not uh, is not great. Right. It's you shank. You got to shank. It's yeah, prison yeah, yeah, logic. Yeah. <laughs> Psych psychological uh, prison logic. Yeah. So it came from. Fear. I just feel like I just didn't have a sense of self for, you know, in, until fairly recently. And so what's funny is it's like you, but you haven't really changed that much. I know. I know. Like, it's weird. You know, when I, at some point, like a decade ago or so, I was watching my old stuff thinking like, I can't watch it. And I'm like, oh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what am I thinking? What's going on up here to where like, I don't even know who that guy is. Yeah. I'm like, I know that guy. Yeah. They're the same guy. I'm still embarrassed, but it's like, and yeah, it's true. I was less embarrassed though. It was helpful. Yes, it's not as embarrassing as you think. It's totally not. I'm like, I was just trying jokes. They weren't bad. Yeah. So I, the thing I think about is your age and uh -huh. your, the distribution of parental attributes. Yeah. Are you optimistic about relationships? I don't know, man. Your I, part I, in them, I would say. I, 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 I ask obviously, cause I'm, I have my own thoughts. Well, I think, like in doing the homework for this show in terms mm -hmm. of blocks that, you know, whatever they are after a certain point, you know, you, you negotiate with yourself as much as you can around, you know, what is possible for yourself in terms of these things. Right. 
Like it's like in the program, you know, the character defects. Like I always used to say like, well, you know, that's an option. You can remove them, ask for them to be removed. It's up to you. You know, you can hold on to them. I mean, there's a liability to that, but as long as you're not drinking, whatever. Uh, but like the idea of, you know, victim disposition or, or ongoing therapy forever. That at some point you got to realize like, it's like that joke I used to do it. When you get older and you go to therapy, it's like, look, I realize you, you just, you, you can be on, you can be straight. With the therapist saying, like, there are some things we're just not going to be able to unfuck. But if we can <laughs> deal with the things yeah. that I think, you know, I can approach now. And I think there's a truth to that. So I don't know about relationships. I don't know what I expect anymore. You know, having, you know, lost somebody, you know, that was close to me. And that was going pretty well. But, you know, obviously, even then, uh, you know, I thought I had hope it there. But then again, I don't know what I'm looking for. What What, what is it? Like, I'm not going to have kids. I'm not going to get married again. It's clearly, you know, there is, I have an emotional liability. I know I can feel that there is something to opening your heart and, and, you know, and connecting with another person in that way and talking about it and really letting your guard down, you know, and, and possibly, you know, crying for a while and, and, and sharing that with somebody else. I can see how that, you know, might feel good for a day or two, Right. I mean, I, and I don't think anybody lives in that. I think it's one of those weird baptisms of intimacy where you kind of lay it out and you open up and you have that as a foundation for your You're thing. Like, here's my, here's my document. Here's my statement. Here's like the, here's, here's my soul. Here's my, here's my, here, yeah, here's my emotional yeah. CV. Yeah. I don't know. I I've grown to, to sort of accept that I, I might be a little, um, I don't know if it's paralyzed, but I, I don't know that I have the proper expectations out of relationships. And then I, I start to realize like, well, what is normal? What isn't? We kind of talked about this the other night in relation to, you, you know, uh, sex or, or whatever is that, you know, it's sort of up to you after a certain point. I mean, there, there are these, these status quo stuff about what's expected. Oh, it's about kids, you know, and, and what other people are doing. But, you know, as you get older, you're like, that doesn't look great. You know, and yeah. then you, you sort of have to reframe sort of like, well, maybe I wasn't totally wrong. And I can accept what I'm not getting by the decisions I'm making. And if I can live with that, you know, fuck it. Right. Am I satisfied or like, it's the same with God. Like these people are like, I'm just looking for something. Like I never was looking for that. <laughs> what, for a God. Yeah. Whatever that drives people to have this sort of like, I just, you know, I, I'm like, yeah. as a person, you can't come to many conclusions in a vacuum. Yeah. You get everything is conditioning and like, here's the status quo. Here's the norm, the norm, the norm, the norm, yeah, the norm. Yeah, totally. So you can't fucking think straight. No. So I've never even heard someone say I wasn't looking for God. I didn't even know you were allowed to not be looking for God. Yeah. I just, I think it's a, it's like, I understand it. Like I understand it from the program. I understand the idea of powerlessness. I understand, you know, and I can sort of frame that in a way where I realize that, you know, most things, almost everything is out of my control. I can, I can get that without being terrified you know no i think the the idea is that like when you realize like hey i'm powerless in almost everything that that's terrifying and you, you know you might as well put the but power it's, you know what place. else is terrifying i'm powerful <laughs> well yeah but in yeah, certain but that aspects breaks down. yeah that breaks down but i'm just saying that like that's the gap that's the god-shaped hole and you know i you know and you know people have come at me with that thing and because i have a certain amount of vulnerability when you see past the anger or the sadness or whatever but like, I'm okay if I keep eating and distract myself. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it'll all bite me in the ass, but I, I don't know really what to expect out of relationships. I'm in one now that is sort of evolved into something kind of sweet and I've grown to really love this person and I get a kick out of her, 
you know, but I, I, I always feel that they're kind of doomed. She is younger than me by a lot. And you know, that like, who isn't? Right, that's true. I mean, that's I mean, what I, it, I, that's what you get to. It's like it is, it's, and I never noticed everyone's it younger now. than me. Yeah, I, I, you're, have a, you're like well, I'm, I'm ten years younger than you. So what I'm saying is, but I've always had the thing. Every woman I've ever dated is older than me, even if they're younger than me. Yeah, in an emotional uh, arena. Yeah, women are like the knowledgeable ones. Yeah. And they, even if they haven't had a lot of uh, relationships, they've had a lot of emotional connections with people. So I always assume, even if a girl's younger than me, like the joke I've never did, but like uh, I could fuck a 25 year old and be like, you're, you shouldn't be doing this to me, lady. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, right. like you're going to get in a lot of trouble for this. Like I, cause they're all, they're going to get emotionally attached. Yeah. I, I think I, I don't, I didn't really know that as much as I do now. Like that there is sort of like, you know, because, you know, I've been a compulsive sex person. You know what I mean? It's like, it's sort of what I grew up thinking you were supposed to do. Yeah. My dad was sort of a philandering fuck. And, you know, when I was coming up in the world, I mean, it was all sort of like weirdly, uh, it wasn't porn, but it was, you know, it, the, the male, the, the roles, the sexual roles were very defined. And they Playboy were like and porn penthouse. adjacent. They're porn adjacent, but like the access to porn, you know, is is insane. Right, it just breaks no. brains. Yeah, but but the idea that you know what you're working for is to, to fuck. Yeah, you know that was there. It's yeah. always been there. You know, yes. it's like you go, you know, you want pussy, right? That's what you're doing. And I was never that great at it. it. Took a long time. High school was not was not successful sexually in in high school, and it took a long time for me to get the hang of it. And then when you can, it's hard not to gorge. You think you're supposed to, of course, but and you have to have enough game to do it. There are plenty of guys that want to gorge. You can't. So if you're sort of cursed but blessed with the ability to get laid, yet yeah, you have to reckon with the thing, and and you as, just have to make decisions yeah like but okay what get, am i yeah. what i need my own sort of ethics around this but the truth is it's like you know i i, I you know, my empathy it took a long time for my empathy to come around to realize that you know you know most women and i think a lot of men too are, are not just out to fuck you know and and you, you know it's 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 always going to be weird and there's you know there's going to be kind of emotional repercussions for somebody yeah that runs contrary to the the one day soul exchange. Oh yeah. Meaning you're like, but I don't just want to fuck. I want to fuck and then have a one day. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Well yeah, but then you do that then you're really in trouble. Cuz if you if you do that like, oh we did the soul thing and we did the fuck thing. No, I'm good. I, I think you mean they're really in trouble. I think you'll be fine. Yeah. I just uh, I wish on some level like I think that it's a major block that I have this thing that I think that I've become I don't know if it's cynical or shut down or or not um uh I don't believe that that I'm going to I'm going to let it go. And obviously I'm I you don't believe you're going to let what go. I'm going to let my guard down that much or allow myself to have that soul exchange. Why not? Cuz I, I don't know, man. You did with Lynn. I think it was coming. It was happening naturally. There was a lot in place there, you know, but a lot of times, like I find myself with women who are sort of, you know, completely enamored with me. You know, it's, it's a, the joke I'm doing now. It's like, you know, I don't, it's, I'm, I'm not, I'm not looking for younger women. I'll, I'll have, I'm, I'm an all, you know, I'll, I'll take all legal ages kind of guy. It's whoever's most obsessed with me. <laughs> Yeah, but not it's not true all legal ages. You know, we got to get you Look, can't there's some caveats, caveats. Sure. Like the woman I'm with now is 34 and some women gasp at that. I'm like, "Really?" 
34? I also, mean, 34 for a woman is like 45 for a guy. Well, it's weird because I do find that emotionally, I'm, I'm very comfortable with her and I don't know why. And I'm trying to figure it out and it's not bad, but like, you know, she's really a kind of no frills kind of person, just a, like a, a kind of a Midwestern, you know, like straight shooter and, and got a good heart. And I just, I find myself relaxed emotionally around her. And I, and I think I am emotionally, you know, pretty Well, young. okay. You don't have a God shaped hole. Yeah. You don't necessarily have a relationship-shaped right. hole. What's the drive? I, well, I, you know, it's just like I, I just want like to feel better. <laughs> you know, I just I, and I I, you know, I know peace of no, mind. When people go, do you have what are your career goals right now? I was like, most of my goals now are emotional. Yeah, most of my goals are like I just want to feel nice and good. Yeah, and I want to learn how to like you know truly enjoy stuff without being full of dread and panic and expectation and codependency. Like I have, like, I'm a double winner kind of guy, you know, which is, you know, I'm equally codependent as I am, you know, addicting, addicting, ad addict. addictive. Yeah. And, you know, it, 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 I, I don't like, I have to stop that shit. Codependency you know? or, yeah. well, that's the hard part about codependency is, is I too, am codependent and done a lot of work with it. Yeah. And it's, I, I don't know the difference between a boundary and a wall. Yeah, like, well, I mean, it, I think that's sort of me because, like, you, you have, you, without knowing it, you have so much invested in people that you might not even know that well, and they all of a sudden have this amazing control over you, whether you know it or not, whether they yeah. know it or not. Yeah, and you know, it's like it's weird, and it, and it can hurt a lot, you know, when when you know you don't have a proper boundary. So working on that stuff is is like I try to do that, but I also have a very active monster, like you were saying, that like there's this other part of me that's like you know, a full grown, you know, monster, you know, like I, the petty guy or the, yeah, the, the, petty, the, guy, the petty guy, the sort of like, uh, you know, yeah. petty guy, pervy guy, hungry guy, you know what I mean? So there's sort of like, I have to reckon with who I really am, you know, in this body that's still occupied by, you know, you know, sad pussy guy, doormat guy and fucking monster man. You know, so like, I just have to, you know, get, get, get everybody. Who's yeah. the doormat guy? Well, I mean, the doormat guy Getting is the guy that, by... you know, proposed to a mentally ill person, you know, after, you, you know, I, I had to sort of, you know, when we, when I broke up with her, I ended up in, you know, male, all male Al-Anon meetings for, you know, months, just trying not to engage. Al-Anon is a codependency group around codependency. And I, and I could, codependency I never... meaning like you're addicted to people yeah. and a lot of times they are addicts or Right. Mentally ill. Right. You know, I have that because like both that, of my what, parents. Did you get married to the, her? No. You remember her. It was that one that, you know, everybody knew that she was a little weird. Oh, I didn't know you got engaged. Well, yeah, I broke up with her. Then we, you know, for three months I was just Al-Anoning and like not calling. And then she found a fucking crack. And and before I know it, like I bought her a fucking ring and I'm like, let's do it. And she wanted, and I, I couldn't even understand who that guy was, but it's there because, and it's also the core to the success of my podcast is my immediate ability to enmesh with people and, and, and feel their feels. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. also the core of what you're saying about my intuition. It's because I was wired by emotionally bro, you know, needy, manipulative people that did not know how to be selfless, did not know how to uh, allow space emotionally for children, did not know how to raise children or be them, you know, or act appropriately. Right. Themselves. So they end up raising a uh very a half, sensitive right a guy who doesn't have a sense like of self meter 
It's of uh, many different. It can measure many different things. Like you come from that. Totally. It, and I know, can measure anger. I can measure power. Like immediately. I, can, I know you have it because like sometimes you see me and you're like, not even going <laughs> to. <laughs> like you'll, you just register a vibe as yeah. I walk in the hallway. You're like, all right. I, I'm like that too, dude. There's sometimes like I can see from, you know, from 50 feet. I can feel, I'm like, mm, yeah, I got to, got to, got to ditch. I got to get out of this hallway. It's helpful when you do comedy too, because like you can hear a, a room before you go on and you're like back corner stage, right. That whatever's that thing back there. Yep. That, I'm going <laughs> to fix it. I'm going to yeah. fix it. I'm going to fix it. And also it might be problem. Yeah. Be like, trouble. Hey, and you go talk to the doorman. <laughs> are they, are you keeping your eye on them? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but not everyone's And by the it. way, yeah. we're right a lot of the I time. Know. Yeah, totally. that's the that's the crazy part is but, like uh, we can you're sensitive to it and yeah it's and just, then what do you so I'm in a position where I mean recently things have happened where like I said to a woman I was like I think you're more into this than you're letting on and she denied it denied it denied it like what are you talking about and then two weeks later she was like I think you're right uh like which is gratifying but a sad story right but like so again i have to worry about my codependency you have to worry about your codependency so it makes every relationship like but i also have to worry about the other side of it too of course you know which is you know kind of like not you know being sensitive to people's feelings objectifying people you know like there's that yeah, we have a, a very guy. sensitive meter that is either on or off but also like i just had this realization in talking to you in that, like just now, where like that sensitivity feels like empathy, but I'm not sure that it is until you sort of um, kind of, you know, tweak it a little bit. Like you, you, I definitely mesh with people and I can feel them, but I'm not sure it's the same as empathy. You know, I'm well, not, that's, I'm trying to think of an example. The thing that made me think of it, there was a time you said something about my father <laughs> and it was like, it was like, uh, yeah. And it was like, Marin, it was shitty. Why take that knowledge? You're in the same boat yeah. and you're using it as a fucking knife. Yeah, you're just so sensitive. Yeah. Like, it's like, but you're right in that, like, you sense it, you fucking in, like, immediately intuit it. Yeah, I can, yeah. do, well, I can what, do it. We can do it all the time with almost everybody. <laughs> But it's just a matter of do I use it as like you're not supposed to I use have it that also yeah 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 it's, and it's not, the guy one time said to me in in uh, in program early on like I was like nine minutes sober <laughs> and I was so excited that I you know told to my wife that I you know I was having an affair you know because I want the woman who got me sober you know I, I had an affair with her and, and I ended up being with her for years but but I remember I I was so proud of myself for being honest and. Uh, some old guy, famous playwright. Like he comes up to me and he's like, uh, you know, that's not being honest. Being using honesty as a weapon is not what that yeah. means. That is not what honesty means. Yeah, and you're like, what? Yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> when did they decide that? I'm pretty sure it but is. I, I remember it, and it's true. Yeah, you know. But like, also, you kind of frame it in comedy terms too. That's why I could never do roasts because you know I would do roast jokes and and they people would be like, "Wow, <laughs> Where, where'd that come from?" Yeah, like, like Jesus, no man, we're having fun here. <laughs> nope. Yeah, no. yeah, but that's the. It's an interesting thing of like having the sensitivity and 
I you had a joke about dying w- alone. Ver- that thing about the Caribbean woman. Oh yeah, let go, dude. It's <laughs> fucking hilarious. It's okay, baby. So that idea of are we gonna die alone? Alone, preoccupied with ourselves. And by the way, Mark, based on that joke. Not the worst scenario you can imagine. No, like if you save your money and put a little, if you have enough for somebody to take care of you, mm-hmm. there's almost a, it's almost like a gift. I wish my father would let 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 us put someone in the house so his, his poor wife could have some uh, time. Yeah, I I don't know about all that, but it's creeping up pretty quickly, and I'm j- I try not to be too terrified about it all. The terror would be of what's after. No, uh, just about. Like I, I think of, I would think about the other day that the moment of death and and after like the the, the idea of negation, you, you know, it's a weird thing to take on that you enter the timeless. You know, we know so many people have died now. Yeah, I did ayahuasca and DMT in in the last two years, and I haven't really shut the fuck up about it. But but I've had some big experiences and that make you at peace with dying. Uh or make you yeah, think there's makes something me, more. Yeah, it makes me think like, oh no, this is just like a this is I'm like this is just one other thing. Right. This is just that this I'm experiencing vessel. now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like as hacky and everything as it is, it's like uh. I would bet money. Yeah. At this point, based on the experiences I've had. Okay. Um, but that yeah, doesn't make fine. it right for you. Yeah. No, but I'm just saying that. I, but it's but at the same it'd time, it'd be nice to be well cared for, and I think yes. that if you. The one good thing about saving money or hoping that you're in the position to have it, you can maybe be well cared for. Yeah. What do you, do you care if, how do you picture it in terms of visitors? I don't know if anybody really wants to visit me. Like, I, I think that like over time, whether I, I'm nice Mark or not nice Mark or that I'm, I'm, I'm not like, I'm intense and I don't get the feeling that people really want me around personally. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get invited many places. It's like, I'm just one of these guys, because of our sensitivity, you must be the same way. I don't know. That I can say or do one little thing that I thought was innocuous, and it can destroy uh, something, mm-hmm. a friendship or whatever, you know? But I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I like visitors. I like to talk to people. I don't, I don't know that. I don't get the feeling well, that. Well, what's funny is you're, the, the podcast is, it's an empathy station. Yeah, it's like that, that's the bulk of my social life is meeting people and talking to them for an hour and then never talking to them again, but being excited that they remember me at big events. <laughs> right. But <laughs> I would also argue that like a podcast, a podcast of a certain type yeah. is a very high form of communication. No, it's great. And you wouldn't have the conversation with the person at a dinner party. No, of it's more like the soul exchange. Yeah, thing. it's like yeah, it's weird. It's like a first date. That's where I'm getting it. Thank God. But also to to to, to what I just said, like I don't know why I think those things. That's another block. You know, why do I assume I have this liability, this social weirdness? I mean, the truth is, everyone's old now. They got lives. Some people are reemerging from raising kids, from having children and raising them and stuff. But but everyone's got a life after a certain point. And if you didn't lock in with them early on. And you weren't part of their life now, then you're not gonna it's not gonna happen now. Yeah. But also when when Lynn died, when my partner passed away, I, I don't know what I, I'm in and out of that word partner. When my girlfriend uh passed away, like, dude, you know, everybody showed up. You know? 
for you or for me? You know, I mean, they, they called, they came, they sent food. I mean, so many people in our community. Yeah. Like that. I, I had, I, I wouldn't have ever imagined that because it was, you know, it was in the, you know, it was in the press, but like everybody, man, like, you know, people who I, you know, who I wasn't even that close to, you know, like, you know, fucking, you know, I don't know Jay Leno. Yeah. He called me. You know, like, like just say, hey, yeah, tough, tough thing, you know. But it was sweet, you know, and everybody, like, so, like, you know, I really felt cared for, and I felt like we were a community, and yeah. I like feeling that. But yeah, as I, I agree. Get, it, it, well, it's, I think it's, we are sometimes, we aren't sometimes. Well, that's the thing now that it, there's a, a divided sense to it, and and I, I probably add to that, but like, I think that after a certain point, you know, people become bigger than just your peer you know, when they have a social impact. And if you're a person that talks about cultural things, you know, you, you roll the dice, but now there does, there does seem to be a division, but even ones in the, the sort of dubious camp, you know, I, 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 I don't have problems with them. Yeah. There's like two that I, I can't deal with. Right. But I would also argue like that people would show up yeah uh, people would show up but it's also i think they're two different things yeah meaning like your partner your partner yeah. if that's what she was yeah uh your partner dies yeah suddenly is like real shocking yeah and public and pronounced and yeah. like fuck mm. um and it's very easy to put yourself in that position to put yourself as the you and you go fuck i gotta call him and if you're dying it's uh, trickier huh because that then you that implies someone else is dying and they have to be comfortable enough to go see right, him. It's like, I don't want to put myself in yeah, that I don't position. Want, I don't want to go see him. Yeah. Sounds fucked up. Yeah. I've been that guy. And I, maybe that's the karma. People I don't. Well, yeah. but And I feel like you'd accept the karma. Yeah. But I also don't think whether people... The question is, am I cared for or not? Yeah. Or am I cared about? Yeah. And you're... I think you may value cared about more than cared for. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. You know, yeah, because I think that that's sort of the way it goes. I mean, that's the way I was brought up. You know, like I wouldn't rely on my parents for anything, any kind of emotional support ever. Yeah. As a grown person or most of my life, it just was, it was always loaded and, you know, a stretch for them. Yeah, it's funny that the, I remember when I first started like dealing with other people at the houses or whatever, when I saw people, hey, you need anything from the kitchen? And I was like, what because <laughs> in my house it was like get it yourself <laughs> it is what they would say that literally that's what the direct quote would have been i'm sorry maybe i'll believe it maybe i won't that's how we talk to each other yeah 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 my parents were just bad at it and it was always about them but you know it was just but yeah that's interesting cared for i don't believe it I don't believe that people care for me. You know, when I'm, that's another sort of part of that intimacy thing is like when people are like, you know, you really mean a lot to me. I believe this girl, but I, I don't generally believe it totally. And I think, it, I always think it was cause like, maybe it's my own self image, but it's like, it's loaded, man. You know, my parents were like, you know, like, you know, they, they were supposed to care. And I don't know. By the way, there's a lot of responsibility on, for you. Yeah. If someone cares, cares. about you. Yeah, that's when the codependency locks in. Yeah. yeah. So you have to decide, like, look, if I st even t take a step toward you, yeah, it's fucking full on. It could be crazy. 
<laughs> but you know, I've, I'm sort of managing that right now. Okay, you know, I'm not I'm not losing my mind uh, with that stuff, and I'm trying to sort of stay focused. It's easy for me to to be nice to this woman and do nice things for her and make her life better, and that feels good. Yeah, yeah. And do you still do twelve step shit? Yeah, I mean, I talk to sober guys, and you know, I have sober conversations with people. I, I haven't gone to a meeting in a long time, and I never, I couldn't do the Zoom meetings. You know, it would be good to go, but I think like, like the last time we talked about it pre, pre pandemic, like, I think I need a different recovery. You know, I'm not, I, I, I don't feel like AA meetings are fine, you know, and they keep it fresh, and you know, and I get, and I get emotional about, you know sobriety and, and hearing people's stories but like i think like something that deals with different stuff you know love addiction uh you know al-anon stuff or uh like acoa adult children of lunatics uh you know that kind of stuff i think i i've, I've i haven't really engaged it but i think this is also a big problem it's like with the opening the heart going to the meeting you know taking steps to to sort of resolve some of this stuff going on vacation doing things that bring me joy it's sort of like ah you know it's just i gotta drive over and you, you know what i mean it's like uh, the, the the anxiety stops me uh and it's not fear of those things it's literally like oh, i gotta get up and where is this yeah it's dread yeah by the way it's never as bad as you think it's gonna be it's that i just have to get there. it's not even bad i have to travel tomorrow and i'm like ugh. But I'm, you know, and I travel all the time, but like until I get on the plane. But you just go, it's gonna, and then you go, it's like TSA's two and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah. I'll be, and then you'll be at and the then place you're and in it's the airport, fine. and then you get on and, and then, fall asleep. And, and then, you... right. And then I freak out about the cats. The other thing with the cats, like, you know, that's another block is like, you know, I almost didn't sell my old house because I had a cat that lived outside and I didn't know what he would do. You couldn't just fucking scoop him and bring him? Yeah, he's not an indoor cat. But it, you could, he could be from Glendale to, Maybe, but he Eagle Rock or whatever. I don't know. He ended up he ended up disappearing. But it was just like that's typical. Yeah, okay. that's how weird I am with that stuff. Like, well, that's I, codependency. Totally codependence with. The, I'm freaking out about. You don't know what the, I put these cat sitters through. Put my girlfriend through with them. nuts. Were you the caretaker for your parents? No, they're alive. Right? No, no. But I mean, as a kid, not really. I guess it's just the the chaos of the being. It was just a detachment. It was just the the lack of emotional decision making. Why does the codependency come from? If you weren't, oh well, my them, mother, yeah, my mother, yeah. you were her manager. I wasn't her manager, but I think with both of them, when you have to react to them emotionally, where they weird out or they yell or they do something shitty and then they're like come in five minutes later and apologize or they don't make decisions like it was just this interface with this inconsistency that i, I constantly had to sort of manage and adapt to you know yeah it's funny because most of the time it's violence that's the thing that like my dad was pretty explosive because yeah oh. but like he, he wasn't beating me up but he was scary yeah so yeah you get real good at and at unpredictable yeah. yeah, at managing, and then it's preemptive, and it's I. It's a joke I've never been able to do, which is yeah. I leave most interactions going. Did I hurt their feelings, or did they hurt my feelings? <laughs> like it, yeah. you know what I mean. Like at some point, I I like I think it had something to do with doing comedy. Like I had to figure out a way of self ownership. I, I was always sort of what's precocious and and you know out in front of it, and you know wanting attention and stuff. 
And I think that I think my dad was jealous of me early forever, mm -hmm. and that he had to win something because I had something he didn't have. I can't even explain comedy that. or just charisma talent. or a good brain, just, or, like, yeah. just something. Yeah. And my mother, I think, also had weird feelings of being threatened by me, and and I think that me being you know me maturing as a comic had something to do with me being able to be like fuck them, fuck both of them. Seriously, I, I don't I don't I don't see them as parents. They're these people I grew up with that had problems. You know, I I I I have a relationship with both of them. It's fine, but fuck them. I don't know them anything. Thank God I got money. If I can help that way, good. But oddly, I'm going to see my mother tomorrow. It's going to be terrible. She's okay, but like after an hour, what the fuck you do for three days? I'm down there, so I don't stay with her. I'm gonna go, and my brother's down there. But it's like. I do what the Menchie thing to do is. Right. And it's yeah. not terrible. It's okay. And if they, if it, if it makes them happy, fine. It's like candy striping, yeah. like going and hanging out with old people. It's hard. You know, it's sad and it's weird and it's been revealing in a way. It's, it's, it, it's hard. It, it's, I think it's a natural course of things. You ever think about how, what you would have been like had you been born when they were born? Oh boy! What like the decisions you would have made in the thirties. Cause, yeah, because like my parents, born in thirty and thirty-three, they, it's like yeah, you just get married and you yeah, go to law school yeah. and you just like yeah, you, you don't even ask yourself once. And hey, am I gonna do? I, hey, do I want this? It was not the way it worked. Or am I gonna have any talent for this? That's how powerful the status quo was. Yeah, the status quo, and then you're ended up. It's just everybody making bad reacting well, they know, to something. how they know they know what to do just it's like just overreact better that's yeah. all like that's the that's like but, uh human progress i speak to all this on you know in the act i've always spoken about it it's like you know that's the thing it's like uh the, i've done different versions of it about spending time with my mother like i can't i didn't i it was about buying a house with an extra room in case she wanted to come out and then she came out once i'm like she's got to go I can't have her here. We seal that room off. Yeah, well, I mean, but it's just sort of like you're, after you know an hour, you have the big, you have the same fucking conversation where it always ends with, but but you didn't do the best you can. We just admit it. You didn't do the best you can. Yeah. Did they admit it yet? Sure. Did they? She admits it, yeah. She said, well, I didn't know what I was doing. She said some awful things, my mother, like that are so great. Like two of one, the two that really stand out. And these, as a grown-up, she goes, you know, Mark, if you were, if you were fat, I don't know if I'd know how to, if I could love you. That one. That, yeah. And then, like, the better one was similar, but it was not that long ago. She was, like, just kind of being candid and, like, you know, when you were a baby, I don't think I knew how to love you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, that's helpful. Yeah, that's, okay, yeah. that fills then, in a then, lot of. Yeah, there's the piece. <laughs> yeah. But All she right. also used me as her best friend because my dad was, like, out fucking everything that moved and being a doctor and my mom just sort of like you're the thing so i've got that thing but i didn't turn out to be a like a mama's boy but i you know i did get her emotional trip her sarcasm her eating disorder her you know emotional sort of like um inabilities like i got all that because you know she attached herself to me and what all right so you don't believe in a god well, yeah, you know, I, don't I don't think about it too much should i well, what are you thinking about? Like, I'm thinking about things I got to do. I'm thinking about things I got to eat. You know, I'm thinking about, like, I'm reading books about culture and about, you know, the world I live in. 
I'm thinking about birds. I like to sit on my porch. You know, I, I do feel a sort of peace with, with nature and stuff. And I feel better, uh, about that stuff, you know, not eating them. Do, do you, do, I'm hearing you talk and I'm like, we're in similar, we're in similar yeah. swamp. I think the thing looking at you, I wish I was more accepting of how niche I am. Oh, you know what I mean? I wish I was more like, just like I, I, I like, like when people go like I love my birds and I love that I don't even think about God like but I'm like I should be it's all these shoulds I don't do that I do that with comedy more than I do I still do that with show business which annoys me it really annoys me yeah that like because like I've done okay I've done well um, but like there's some part of my ego that doesn't feel like it's getting you know the respect I deserve you know like I want a, a, a an award. <laughs> and I still have that weird resentful thing that that other people make me feel I let them I let their success make me feel small or mm -hmm. that I don't whereas like when I do it with my producer he's like dude you won I mean what do you yeah what do you want like you know I've got my audience and I've got you, you know I'm fine yeah but there's always sort of this other tier that I'm just not well I'm, you said something interesting one time which was I asked you about Louis and you were like Louis's level of fame it might have even been before his, yeah. his stuff, but like you were like, I've come to think I don't think I could have handled it no. or been, it wouldn't have been right for you. No, I, I don't think I could have. I, I mean, oddly, I think now in terms of my comfort with myself, I, I could handle whatever comes, but I don't think I was destined for that. Like right now, like I'm as funny as I'm going to be and I've got the audience I have and you know, and I'm out there, you know, it, I don't know what makes somebody bigger. I don't know if it's, just the magic of Dave Becky and Mike Berkowitz that delivers somebody to arenas. I don't know that I'd want to do an arena, but I could certainly handle, I think, a, a larger fan base, but it's just not my destiny. I think I'm too specific. I'm in the same boat, yeah. and it's like... It's, there's a lot of things that aren't relatable about us. Right. Yeah. To, it, it, except to like-minded people or people that live our lives. Yeah. There's a lot we can't speak to that grown-ups And there's with. like an essential thing, like... We have sharp cheek, but just, you know what I mean? Like just like shit. we don't fit into the frame. Yeah. Properly. Like it's just like, it's just physiognomy <laughs> where it's like, yeah, ah, yeah. he seems not quite good on camera. <laughs> yeah. Like he just seems like a little off elbowy or something. I, I like, get it. I, yeah. like, I, I and it's, that. it's these things where you go, okay, this is an, this is an interesting, nothing I, I can do about it. Right. And, and I had said this to Hasan Minaj, which was like, what are the odds that you'd beat this existence if you spun a wheel in eight million lives. Yeah. How many people are better doing? How yeah. many people? What are we? Eight hundred? Couple thousand people on Earth? Better at what? More people in wheelchairs than great comics. Right. No, I get it. Okay, so this is a question I always ask people. You may find uh, aggravating. Biopic, a, a Mark Maron biopic. Yeah. Who plays you? What's the arc? <sighs> you can be a self-congratulatory. I just don't, I don't know actors. I don't know the spectrum of actors, of young actors. Shia LaBeouf. Let's go Shia LaBeouf. Well, he'd have to tone it down a little bit, but I think he <laughs> could he? do it a little bit. <laughs> what's the arc? What would I like? Yeah, what's the, what's, what was this? Like, I think there's something about whatever was going on at the comedy store in the 80s with Kennison and the drugs and stuff. And, you know, cause like I recently put on Instagram, these two pictures, there's a picture of me at the store 
with Sam lit. I'm out of my mind on drugs with my arm around him. And he's like, eh, and, and you know, there's a little Polaroid. Did you have an actual relationship with him? No, I wasn't on the inner circle, but I was certainly a drug buddy for a while. Okay. Cause I lived in Crest Hill and that's where I was like, he'd just go up there. He used it as a party house. Right. And I was the guy that he'd give money to, to get things set up. I mean, I was, yeah, 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 yeah. but never the inner circle. And you know, but, but there's a picture of me and him. And then I put that next to the picture of me and Obama in my garage. And I'm like, that, that arc is pretty good. Yeah. What is it? What's the story? What's the arc though? You, you have a want, then yeah, you but get it's, a it's need touch and go, dude. I, I don't know that that's it. I, I think what happens is, you know, I'm running on this sort of like angry, insecure swagger and I'm, you know, and I'm busting through and I think I'm getting somewhere, but ultimately no one can quite get a handle on me. And, and you kind of know you're not breaking through. Like it's not Well, I'm like, just like, I know that like, that I'm not myself. Yeah, the tone isn't quite right. Yeah, exactly. But everyone's sort of like, oh, you're the cranky guy. I'm like, I don't, I, this is who I am. It's not a character. Like, I have no control over it. That was the weird and thing. And you don't even believe you're the cranky guy. No, of course not. I'm, I'm like, the, I'm, I'm just me, man. I'm telling yeah. the truth here. Yeah. So the arc is like, how you know, just what it takes to humble that fucker. And what is it? It was just a process of sort of failure of not, you know, of not, of, of having, you know, people knowing who I am fighting to get known, but never building an audience. And then ultimately, you know, ending up, you know, having to sober up, ending up having to give up on life a first time that, but then meeting a beautiful woman, then having to get sober and then ruining that relationship. And then sort of like the comedy opportunities kept coming, but no, nothing happens. I'm, I'm, I'm scrambling to make a living. I do air America. I do a fucking radio show. You think that was like my dream? I mean, it ultimately ended up you know, teaching me how to, talk on these mics but you, that was a that was a default dude i had nothing going on and they had a lot of money that they were throwing away to get people to do this I, I, it wasn't like this is my passion it was like i don't think i have a choice you know i just got married i'm living in la i got nothing on the table these deals didn't go anywhere so anyways the humbling of that second divorce what's especially humbling about that she just left and you know and she she should have you know, I was a dry, drunk, you know, emotionally abusive fuck. And, you know, I didn't know how to be in a relationship. I was totally afraid she was going to leave me. She was stunning. And, you know, and I believe I loved her, but I was just horrible. I was possessive and crazy and I was trying to be good, but like, and she got out and I'd never had that happen for me, to me. You know, I just, ugh, that was just devastating because she, she got Alan on up. I think she got, you know, uh, involved with somebody more emotionally supportive and proper and she left and it was for good. And it was like, it was devastating. It was just mind numbing and heartbreaking. And it, fi it was the finally thing like, oh, it's me. Well, I don't know if I, I, I quite realized I was still fighting to get it back. And, but that sent me spiraling. I mean, then she, you know, kind of really hired a, a lawyer to destroy me. And I didn't understand how she deserved the house. You know, I bought the house. We weren't, you know what I mean? It, and I ended up, you know, you lose. You always lose. You learn a lot of lessons. And um, and I get it all now. But no, at the time, I didn't know. I didn't know it was me. I was trying to be better. But then I almost went broke. And uh, and she just, um, yeah. And that's out of that came the podcast. And then. Uh, the podcast is like a, it's like a rock bottom. Totally like a rock bottom that ended up being like there's nowhere else to go it was i yeah. was looking down the barrel 
of you know a life as a as a hustling b room headliner or a real a real barrel you know, <laughs> of a gun you know and i just started you know talking on that you know then you know it all came you know i'd gone back to air america to do a streaming video show at, you know with the agreement that they would give me enough money up front to stop the hemorrhaging of the divorce and you know i got more skills and it just it timed out right so then there was that and that starts and then like you know then you know, then there's the next humbling of, you know, Lynn dying. So like, you, you know, which was. What yeah. was the humbling of that? Meaning uh, like there's, it's not a career one. What's the, what well, was just the... like, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I don't look at it as punishment, but you know, Mishnah leaving me was like, like, I, because I think I might've been a little borderline personality, you know, you know, it, uh, it, like there was, it was very black and white thinking. It was, it, I was very sort of like, oh, why me? How can this, you know, like, what do I, how do I, you know? And it was just, it, it just destroyed me for a long time. And so then when Lynn died, it was a whole different thing. Like that's a different kind of leaving. And it's like, you know, I'm older and I know we're fragile and I know I've seen people die, but you don't expect that. I really didn't expect my wife to, you know, to, when I came home, you know, sit me down and go like, I want a trial separation. I never saw her again, really. And I, I certainly didn't expect Lynn to get sick and die. So it's just the depth of heartbreak of those two different types. I mean, fuck dude. So I don't know what the third act is. But, but I'm, who were you before Lynn died and who were you after? Like in terms of what, what was well, your I thought, Well, Well, I thought like, you know, it worked out. You know, the career worked out. I met this woman. You know, well, she, that's what's funny her. from the outside in. I was like, fuck, he had it. Yeah, right. Like, this is good. I'm going to be good for the rest of it. Yeah. And we we have respect for each other. Yeah. The work and, you know, we can work together even and, you know, conversationally and all this stuff. You know, she was, you know, a grown-ass woman. Yeah. I had hope for the future and was excited about the possibilities and proud to be with her. And then, you know, you know, and yeah, so you grieve like whatever the possibility. So who am I after? I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not great. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty. I, I don't feel like I'm actively cynical, but I've certainly might still be numb somehow. Yeah, because you don't seem pessimistic. You don't seem. I didn't ask why. You know, I, you know, I didn't see it as personal. I didn't, you know. There was no why me. I was very clear on that. Like I didn't want to be seen as the victim. Yeah, I didn't, and which might be bad in, in getting back. No, to I don't love. think it's bad. I that's I don't think that's bad. It's like she it, was the victim, and you know, and you know, and I and and I felt you know terrible uh, about uh, about that, and it, you know, and I was leveled, but it has something to do with the love for and you know what was it that p that. Like I'm comfortable with people loving, not they, like caring I, about you, but not caring for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she cared for you and cared. Oh, about, yeah, yeah. Cared. But I'm just saying, in after in the aftermath, you know, I I kind of, you know, I definitely couldn't keep it together, and I was happy to be supported. But I just wanted to be clear that like there was no reason it happened, cosmically. You know, I was not angry at God, because I have enough practical sense of death after losing you know several of our peers, and you know, and knowing that, you know, it's all sort of a gift somehow or luck, but I certainly didn't see it coming. And that was what made it just terrible. It was, a, it was just a similar feeling of the type of loneliness and the type of pain of being that out of control. 
You know, like she died. I mean, and it was during the COVID. It was all, it was just terrible. But I don't know who I am now, but I'm, I'd like to say that I have a, a deeper appreciation of, of life uh, in a lot of ways and an acceptance of death in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, it's a weird compliment, but you, you, you handled it well. You grieved well. It, you didn't seem to make any like unforced errors about the interpretation of it or the or yeah. the, what it meant, because it doesn't always mean anything. No, I, like I really had to like manage my brain about that. I had a lot of things to do. I didn't know her family, you know, and I had all her stuff, and I had the keys to the new place she had just rented, and nobody was traveling. There was a lot of responsibilities had to be dealt with to be in touch with people and to get things places and to you know her car sat in front of my house for weeks you know and uh you know her clothes and like it was there's a lot of practical stuff that had to be dealt with my brother came out and then i and then i tried to get out of town and you know tried to have some sort of i tried to keep myself in her eyes you know in her gaze you know because i think i was probably a, like I was at my best, you know, in terms of, you know, the way she saw me, you know, and what she saw in me was really the best of me. So I tried to keep hold of that, but I think it might be slipping. But that's all right. I don't know. I don't know if that's true, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's like inside you, but yeah, it's not. It's there's also something to be said for my sister's husband died. And she said, I didn't know if I would be able to care for somebody. And I could. And that's what I thought when you were saying about like doing all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, that's where the codependency comes in handy. <laughs> no, I mean, like, you know, you want to help. And it was genuine. And I, I think I can care for people probably more now. You know, because I, I think the one thing you left with is like, did I do the, you know, the short time that we were able to be together? You know, was I really the best that I could have been? You know, so like that, if anything, it's not a regret thing. But, you know, she just you know, got sick and I thought it was the flu. And, you know, that week, you know, I was sort of like, oh, my God, when is she going to get better? You know, like, what is it? And then like she gets sick and died. I think you kind of feel shitty. Like, all right, I'll bring you some cereal, you know. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, right. But that's how we are with people who yeah. get sick, you know. So like there's that little stuff. So like, I don't know. You know, it, it made life very clear and it also you know made me more attentive i think of of, of my myself and, and and others and but it's like devastating yeah we'll see what happens it's just like it's some here here's some more here's a little something for your empathy engine that's right like my producer said something along the lines of like well that's it you've got your stripes somehow yeah like nothing is going to be this bad yeah. Again. I have a theory that, like, by the time life is over, you will have been every person. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, now I'm the fucking widow, widower? Oh, God. Now I'm the cheater? Now I'm the... Sure, sure. That's, like, you know, the the spectrum of the, of the flaws. How does this wrap up? I mean, that's the great question, isn't it? <laughs> 